stand we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, it says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Check this out. This is this would be kind of a, a amazing, scary. There was a, a violent earthquake for an angel. of The Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were like were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus. He was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They will see me there. So this is pretty exciting, right? Oh, this. Uh, come on now. This is exciting. I, I mean, if, if you're even, even going to act like you're live today, today's the day to do it. All right. You got to help me because I'm an interactive preacher and it's been really hard preaching. Uh, I'm grateful because last Easter I just preached to a camera. There were a handful of people there uh, and I'm grateful for that. But I'm grateful for you here today. And so here's the awesome account. So Jesus was crucified. He was buried. And then on the third day, he was resurrected. And so now the stone is rolled away. Uh, Some of his closest followers, they go to see where he's at. He's not there. Uh, This is awesome. He goes and meets them. And of course, it goes on more. And I'm not going to talk about this right now. But the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. There would be no Christianity if there was no resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, this would be a waste of time, to be honest with you. If we're just here without Jesus, it's nothing. And since there is a resurrection, all elements of the Christian faith are affirmed as true through Jesus. And the world, for the most part, knows that today's a big day to Christians. But today we also live in a world that's really messed up as as we I mean, our world has been changed radically good, bad, whatever. I mean, we, we are changed. And our world has become so opinionated and judgmental. Would you agree with that? Some of you, not me. We'll see what I'm talking about. We are quick to give our opinion and give our verdict of everything and everyone. Come on, it's true. We are quick, man. We are when someone puts a tweet or someone says something at work or on the news or wrong or right. uh, I mean, I mean, you you and I have to be you send an email. I mean, I don't know about you, but now I've been reading emails like six times before I send them. Sometimes I'll just type them out and I'll send them out. And then and I'm like, oh, my goodness, or or a tweet or whatever, you know. And so now because we're afraid because someone there's going to be a lashing out, they're going to judge you, you know, by saying a word or you said a word word wrong or you mispronounce it. and, And we've become just so like. We we're ready to give we're the judge, the jury, and we're the we're like, this is it. And you see, today we have to come up with a verdict, too. Do we believe in the resurrection? Do we still believe in his power? Or maybe we don't know about it. We don't. You're online. Maybe you're not sure about it. We have to render a verdict today. Is it true? Is it not true? Is it real? Uh, And so. 
When we render verdicts, sometimes sometimes we have correct facts. Sometimes we have made up facts. Sometimes we have half facts. Sometimes we have no facts. But yet we're quick to render judgment as if we are all powerful, as if we're all knowing, as if we are. I mean, it, it just amazes me now. And I'm, I'm not making fun of you that are scientists and doctors in the medical field. And I'm praying for protection, you know, for from covid. And I've received the modern the Moderna vaccines and I didn't become like a zombie and I didn't my DNA didn't change. I didn't grow a tail and and, you know, three eyeballs. And, and there's not a microchip in me because I don't need a microchip because I got a big microchip right here, you know. And so uh, I'm all for that. But it, it amazes me how everyone is now a medical science expert. I mean, you know everything. You know, well, that COVID, that's a joke or it, you know, is caused by this or that or that Moderna, this or that. It's like, wow. I mean, but so we're quick to make judgments. We're quick to make a verdict. But what if we were wrong in our verdicts? What if we were wrong in our judgments? What if we received wrong information? You see, Chuck Colson, if you don't know who, who he was, he was the, uh, the founder of Prison Fellowship. And before he was a Christian, he was not a very nice man. He was, he was ruthless. He was a lawyer. And um, he, he was part of, uh, he, was, he was what was called, he was uh, President Richard Nixon's hatchet man. He was just a mean guy. And he, and he got caught in a part of that whole Watergate thing. And I don't, well, that was a joke. And, you know, I don't care about your politics right now. I care about the resurrection right now, okay? They were wrong for breaking in and doing that. He went to jail. But before that, a friend of his, he noticed a friend of his, his life began to change. And he said, something's different about you. He said, it's Jesus in my life. And his friend gave him the book, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And being that he was a lawyer, he took the book out and he took a couple of legal pads out and he began to read the book and he began to write out evidence. He says, I'm going to prove that this, there's, this is just, a, this is, it's just not real. As he began to read it, as he began to write out the evidence and, the, and he had to render verdict, the resurrection of Jesus was real. And he gave his life to Jesus after reading that book because he, as a lawyer, looked at it from the eyes of a lawyer, said, I'm going to disprove this. Something's wrong with my friend or, or there's something right with my friend and I want it. And so this morning we must come to say, how am I going to respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Let's look at some to you. Ready? Are you ready? You see, our response to the resurrection today can alter for the better the course of our lives. I do, I do need to read 1 Corinthians 15. It's in your notes. If you're following along, it's on the screen, I think. And I'm sorry if the words are really small, but it says this. But if 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. Verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has, has, has neither been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all. Verse 20. I love this. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. So let's look at some responses to the resurrection. Are you good with that? You ready? 
All right, you got to be ready because I'm waiting on you. I need you to be with me this morning. So the first thing is reactions. These are just some various reactions to the resurrection of Jesus. The first letter A is the, the reaction of rationalism. The reaction of rationalism. Rationalism says this. Rationalism says that the resurrection must be rejected on the basis that it cannot fit into human reasons. So just you smart, ideological, philosophical, all of you are smart, by the way. So, so it's this. It says this. It says that this humanistic view says that because the mind of humans is ultimate. And I'm going to read this to you. Only that which man can perceive and explain can therefore be true. And since the resurrection is inexplicable by human reason, it did not happen. In other words, mankind is the apex of all creation. We are an all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful. And by the way, if that was true, the world would be a much better place. Come on. In our enlightened, we are so-called in this enlightened society, but yet we know how to kill each other and steal and cheat and hide it. And yet we still we're just in a mess, right? And so rationalism rejects the resurrection as it rejects all other miraculous uh, things of the redemptive history. The major flaw with that, again, is that human reason is not the sum total of all experience. My dogs do not wait for me to render judgment on them. Earth does not, the sun does not wait on me to rationalize the sun. It, it just exists, whether I like it or not, whether I can explain it or not. And so the major flaw is this, is that because reason also can be subject to human feelings, right? I mean, we will all rationalize. Every one of you rationalize. Like, you know, if, if your doctor tells you don't eat cheeseburgers, you're like, okay, you're going to rationalize. You're going to find a way out. Okay, um, I'll, I'll eat the cheese different and I'll eat the burger different. And it's okay. And so we, we rationalize a lot of things. Come on, all right? You're with me, right? Rationalization can be discriminate. In fact, look at all the unfounded conspiracy theories that just continue to just flow and flow. With, it's just because people can rationalize something. So there's first the reaction of rationalism. Then there's the reaction of unbelief. Unbelief doesn't explain something away. It just says, I, I don't know, or I, I, I refuse to believe in it, uh, or, or I, I just don't understand it. And there's some other aspects there. The fact of the resurrection is is probably really the, one of the most um, indisputable facts in history. I mean, Jesus' resurrection is based on evidence and multiple uh, witnesses. Many people have tried to disprove it. There's a book here, and he was once a lawyer in England. His name is Val Grieve, and it says, Your verdict on the empty tomb. He, too, tried to disprove it through a lawyer's sense. Josh McDowell, who's part of a ministry now, was a law student, and he was going to disprove the Bible. But the Bible, the resurrection power, changed both of these men. Multiple people have tried to disprove it, tried to come up with facts. But the resurrection is real. And you see, unbelief can deny the facts, but still does not change the facts. Did you hear what I said? Unbelief can deny the facts, but it does not change the facts. The facts will still prove it true. Jesus was buried. He was resurrected. He is alive today. The third thing, the reaction of doubt. This is the question, the resurrection. We all have doubts, right? We all have doubts. It's just a normal part of life. And there is a such thing as just honest doubt. I don't, I don't, I doubt it. I don't understand it. I, I'm, I'm looking for truth. I, I don't have an answer yet. And there's some of those who do that. Then there are those who just, who just doubt because they like to doubt. Don't you love those people at work? Right? Your neighbor, or maybe it's your family member. And they're just all, oh, I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. What, what, what don't you doubt? I don't know. Then there's something wrong and they're doubting, right? 
And so there are some, they just like to doubt because they like to just argue. Is that correct? And so some people will say, I doubt it because they, they just want to argue, even though the facts are there. Even doubting does not disprove the facts. The next reaction is of indifference. And they say, well, it might be true, but I just don't care. I just, it doesn't mean anything to me. It has no importance in my life. I don't see it. It doesn't affect my life. Well, sadly, it does affect our lives, but it can be for good. The next is the reaction letter E of, of ignorance. The letter, the letter, the reaction of ignorance. There are those who just, they're not familiar with the facts of the resurrection. They, they may not even know about Jesus. And this shows to me as a church, as Christians, we have work to do. Come on, amen. If we're Christians, then we must be busy helping people. There are now generations of people that have grown up never hearing the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus the Lord, not as a curse word. I mean, as a curse word, but not as Jesus. Some people, generations of people now, here even America, which Christian is not really Christian America. I don't know what this is anymore. But there are people in America who have never read the Bible, never been to church. And so they might have a, a, a doubt or it might just be, not being mean ignorance, but just they don't know about it. But even being ignorant, even being ignorant of the facts do not disprove the facts, right? Then there's just the letter F is the reaction of outright hostility, just the outright hostility. And there are some people, they're just hostile to Jesus. They're hostile to the resurrection. And it's more than a, a rationalistic rejection. It, it is more uh, than than just I, I don't have the facts or I don't believe it or, or, or I don't know about it. It is just a, it is just a really it's a conviction that they know they're wrong. And they know there's a resurrection and they know their life is out of order and, and they know that Jesus is the way, but they just reject it. They're hostile towards it and they don't want it to be known. In fact, they they go out of the way. In fact, it makes me so it makes me laugh because uh, some of you might know atheists. Uh, uh, in fact, um, one of the one of the guys that I read about in this book, he was an atheist. And of course, he came to Christ and it, because of him trying to disprove Christ. And it always makes me laugh. If you don't believe in a God and you're an atheist, then why do you fight against him? Right. If, if there is no God and you don't believe in Jesus, then why are you always so adamant to disprove it? And they're like, well, I'm trying to enlighten you. You don't need to enlighten me because I know Jesus. First, John five, 10 through 13 says anyone who believes in the son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe in God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony of God has given about this, his son. Verse 11, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, that this life is in the son. Verse 12, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. I write these things to you to believe in the name of the son of, of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So we can have eternal life. So we can come up with all kinds of arguments, good or bad, wrong or right. But the fact is, Jesus is still the Lord. Jesus was buried. He is was resurrected. He is still alive today. So some of us can render a verdict. And if you're not ready, I don't want to force you, but I want to talk about now the next part. Number two is the response of faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because it's not just a church story. It's not a religion. Jesus started. There is an importance to the resurrection. There's an importance that people all over the world are coming to church or celebrating somewhere, somehow. So the first thing, letter, letter A, number two, is faith versus foolishness. Faith versus foolishness. You see, sometimes a person of faith 
will be called brainless or a fool because they have a hope and a higher power. And they try to say that their their faith can't be scientifically measured or proven. But yet, those same people will put their faith in love. Dreams for the future. Politicians. How's that working for us? A weather forecaster. The sun coming up. Something mechanical or electronic. You see, you and I cannot prove scientifically that we were born in the sense of lab rationale. In fact, none of you can prove scientifically that you were born, again, through a lab rationale. Because when a scientific person comes at it, they come with a lab rationale. They're going to work through some steps. Okay, these steps are going to be this. It's going to be a controlled experiment. There's a problem. There's a hypothesis. There's materials. There's a procedure. There's data. There's results and conclusion. In fact, some of you may not even be able to prove historically that you were born. But you still exist, right? Touch yourself, right? I'm alive, right? Some of you, I'm not sure if I'm alive. Well, if I see you and you're kind of moving, you're kind of breathing, you're alive, okay? You, you walked in here or dr- someone drug you in here. I don't know. Someone, you're still alive. But you see, this method of scientific data, it, it must use direct observation to make a point. And you see, falling in love is illogical for some, right? I don't know what it is. Well, it's, you're just in love. Faith may seem illogical, but we all have faith in something, ourselves, a, a, a money, a job, a position, a possession or, or, or things. Faith is an assurance that something you have faith in something other than yourself. In fact, the Bible says Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Check this out. And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Just say he rewards us in the chat. I know I'm talking very much up there. I'm glad you're there online. Just say he rewards those who seek him. Ty- type it in the chat because I know you're bored up there because you're somebody like, what are you doing? I'm talking to the camera. OK, it's OK. There are people online really watching us. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 says this. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So faith is an assurance that there is a God or something else. So faith versus foolishness. It's not foolishness. Uh, many people who educated or not educated have put their faith in Jesus Christ and they've not regretted it. The second part of our response to the faith letter B is affirmation of truth. Affirmation of truth. You see, let me say this to you, okay? And type this in the, the chat. Truth is still truth. Truth is still truth, right? It doesn't matter. Well, what is the definition of truth? You know, and you can try to parlay it and, and, and dissect it and you can try to try to say something different. But the truth is truth. Fact is fact. If it's real. I, I mean, again, the sun is going to come up until it doesn't come. But every day it comes up. OK. And, and you know, I've used this. I use this all the time. OK. You can you can deny truth. You can make laws against the truth. You can try to dismiss truth. You can politically say it doesn't right. And whoever had if you believe in that truth, you're wrong. You can say that all you want, but it does not discount that truth is truth. You can deny the truth. And the truth is, and I know I use this example a lot, but it's, it's and don't try this at home. Don't ever try this ever. But if you stare at the sun with a naked eye without anything to protect your eyes, the truth is you're going to burn your retina and you can you can make it illegal. You can deny it. You can say that's a hoax. You can you can say that your, your DNA has been changed, whatever you can. You can do all that. It's rigged. 
But I'm telling you, if you if you look and people online and young people, anyone, you know, don't don't lose your mind and don't stare at the sun because you will burn your retina. The truth is the truth. Come on. Right. You see, the resurrection, it's the same. The resurrection of Jesus, it truly happened and it still affects the lives of many people. It really is. The resurrection is proven by the Bible and it's collaborated by reliable historical documents from other cultures. And the life principles of the Bible really have, in the most part, made life better for most people. There are some people that abuse it, but for the for the most part, Christians have founded uh, many of the universities, hospitals, feeding ministries, uh, orphanages. We, Christians are usually the first to respond when there's a, a catastrophe. We're generally the first ones, whether we live or not, to respond with love and mercy and food and helping people. This is because the resurrection power is alive in us. So we can affirm truth by believing in it and following it, or we can deny it. It's, it's up to you. I hope that you believe in it. You see, the Bible still is the most popular book in world history. The Christian church continues to grow worldwide because of the resurrection power, because of the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to read it. It's on your notes there. But I put again, 1 Corinthians 15 there. It's write that down. The, the third part of the response of faith to the resurrection, letter C, is application of the truth. You see, the thing now is there are many people in the world who call themselves Christians, but they don't apply the truth. And so they will do things in the name of Christ, but they are not Christ-like. You see, if we're, the truth is, if we're followers of Jesus, if we believe in the resurrection power, and we're going to apply the truth, and it's going to change our lives. We will be better people, better citizens, better, better humans. Let us see the application of truth. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Jesus said that we can know the truth and it will set us free. I love this, John 8. It says to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, the resurrection of Jesus did happen. And because of it, we can have life here on this earth and in eternity as well. And I love this. Jesus says in John 11, John 11. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So the question for us on resurrection celebration morning is, do we still believe this? Or do we believe it first and foremost? Will you and I allow this resurrection power to come alive in our lives? Will you allow it to resurrect our world? Our world needs something new. It needs Jesus. So here it is. Number three. You good? You good? Say I'm ready. Online. I'm ready. Type it in in the chat. My phone has been buzzing, so someone's texting me. If you're texting me, I'm here at church right now, so leave me alone. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So uh, join us right now if you can. Um, the third thing is the, the reward of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is a reward for following Jesus Christ. There is a reward to this thing. I didn't give my life to, to follow Jesus Christ because there's something. It's just it's good to do. I mean, there's other things to do. It's because there's power in the resurrection. So letter A, it's a relationship, not a religion. You see, religions just show us how flawed we are as humanity. Think about that. Religions, I mean, even the laws of God show us what we need to do and how we need to change. But Jesus came and says, I've come now to show you and to be an example for you. 
You see, most religions, if you think about this, most religions, they have steps that you follow. You must, you, you know, to become part of our faith, you got to do this. And when you do this, you got to do this. And then when you get to that step, okay, now that you're there, now that you're becoming enlightened or now you're following our leader, then you got to take this step. And then now that you've reached that, you're okay. So it's in religion, it's a continual step. You continue. Well, when am I going to reach it? Well, you're never going to reach it because that's the way religion is. You're never going to be satisfied. Religion will leave you empty. It will leave you discouraged. It will leave you angry. It will leave you judgmental. And you see, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to start a relationship. You see, because before, because of our sin, I don't believe in sin. Well, we are sinners. I'll talk about that in a moment. Set free maybe by Jesus. But because of that, Jesus says, I've come to take that from them, which we talked about on Good Friday, and I've opened a door now for a relationship with them. So what religion does, instead of knowing God, we want to know more rules. We want to keep reading about the regulations. We want to keep reading the Bible instead of reading about the person of the Bible. And Galatians says, know that a man is not justified by observing the law or religious acts, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law or religion, because by observing the law, No one will be justified. So if you're coming to church and hoping that God's going to mark it off and you you gave some money or you sang the songs and and that's because you're hoping God will bless you, it was a waste of time. But if you came today and said, I need to meet with Jesus, that is going to be worth your time today. All those other things, I just do that because I love Jesus, because I I come for Him. You see, the next thing is Jesus came to become our friend. You see, other followers of other religions, you don't really become their friend or you worship a, a picture of them or a dead idol of them or a grave of them that still has them in them. You can't become their friends. Jesus says, I've called you friends. Isn't that exciting? John fifteen fourteen says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Type that in there. I'm a friend of Jesus. I'm a friend with Jesus. Type that in the chat there. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You see, we understand in this relationship that we can't save ourselves, but we can rest in Jesus and he will save us. This is an awesome account. This is the only faith where a person can come to Jesus one on one, where he can call you friend. He can know you. You can know him. You can know him personally. Christianity is following Jesus, not a set of religious rules. Isn't that exciting? Oh, yeah, that's exciting. When am I eating for lunch today? I don't know, but let's focus on the resurrection right now. You see, Christ sets us free from rules and regulations and puts us into relationship with him and with Almighty God. That is the resurrection power. You should be excited. The next thing, the next thing, here's another reward for the resurrection of Jesus is life purpose. Life purpose. People are physically alive, yet they're empty inside. They, they try to fill their emptiness with activities, with jobs, positions, possessions, adrenaline, adrenaline, adrenaline. I can't get to speak that. Adrenaline. Substances that they inhale, they drink, they eat. Uh, they fill their mind with hourless, hourless hours of sitting in front of a, a palm device. Or, um, excuse me, again, I'm showing my age. Uh, you know, a, a smart device in front of a computer or filling your life with, with all that kind of stuff. And that's okay. I, mean, I do it at times. I relax and I just have to get my mind over. I want to watch something encouraging at times. But because I have Jesus, I have purpose in my life. And I'm not saying there are times in my life, in your life, you're like, well, what am I doing here? What's going on? What is my purpose? Your purpose is to be alive in Jesus. 
And then in that, then you can find steps. And everyone of us have purpose. And ultimately, your life is to show the, the life of Jesus to other people. That's your life purpose. Whether you're a lawyer, a doctor, whether you're a, uh, whatever you do, you're a carpenter, a, a teacher, a, a professor, you're a student, a life-going student, whatever you do, I'm retired, whatever it is, you are to be a light of the resurrection power. And you can have joy in that. You see, Jesus will not just give you hope, but he does give you direction. You no longer ask. I mean, you will still ask what's the purpose of life, but God will remind you the purpose is to show the resurrection power. I am your purpose. The Bible says if we live in him, his life will be in us. Your life will have reason and a purpose. And yes, there'll be tough days. There'll be tough months. There'll be tough years, right? 2020 and 2021 have been some tough years, but we'll make it through. You're here today. This is a celebration of the resurrection. And even when things go bad, God can turn them to good. Romans 8.28 says, For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What? God can turn this thing around? Yes. He is turning it around. In time, in a few years down the road, we'll look back and say, do you remember that crazy time? Do you remember that time we had to wear masks everywhere? Do you remember that time we had a social distance? I know some of you will never be the same. Some of you are like, I'm still social distancing. You know, I mean, I think about this as a side note. If you've ever gone to a, a music park or something like that, Hershey Park or Disney, where family, we talk about that. It's going to be a whole different world now, right? You're going to be like having a backpack full of hand sanitizer, right? You're going to have the spray and you're going to also like every time you, your kids get off on the ride, you're, before they get on, you're going to go, spray it. Hold on, kids. Right. I mean, there's going to come a time we're going to be we're going to be over that. Really, there'll be a time. Some of you don't see it now. I'm off track. I know. I just wanted to get you lighting up because some of you are still like, whoa, what? What's going on here? God will turn things around. The next Reward of the resurrection is there's no guilt or condemnation in Jesus Christ. You see, if you're in here feeling guilty or condemned, that's not Jesus. Well, Pastor Stan, if you're living in sin, God will convict you. Conviction and guilt are different. Conviction and condemnation are different. When I know I do something wrong, I am convicted. And then I can move from being convicted and I can move to guilt and con. I'm a terrible person. I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe I said that. And the devil's like, that's right. You stink. You're horrible. God says that was wrong, but just turn around from it. Repent. This is what the resurrection's about. It's not to hold you down. Or, oh, you got to quote the Bible and you got to feel sorry for yourself for 20 days until you're done. No, sometimes that might be true, but you just got to say, God, I'm sorry. Please, I'm so sorry. Guilt and condemnation hold too many people down. Jesus didn't come to start guilt and condemnation. He came to bring resurrection life to your mind, your thoughts, your bodies, your souls. Amen. You should be shouting about this. Therefore, Romans 8, 1 and 2, there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. Do you see that? There's no more condemnation. So don't put your condemnation on me. Right? I'm free. Well, Pastor Stan, I can't believe you don't read the King James Bible. Don't put that on me. That's on you. You carry that weight. You carry that burden. I don't want that. I look at different versions of the Bible because the King James Bible wasn't written in Hebrew or Greek. All right, I'm off that. That's a sore spot for me. I'm sorry. Please forgive me, Lord. I'm moving on because I'm not. But Romans 8, 6 says this. You see, Jesus makes things right. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. 
You know when you're wrong, but you just turn from it. You say, God, I'm sorry. The next thing, here's a reward for the resurrection. Letter D is freedom from the bondage of sin. I'm not saying freedom from sin forever, but freedom from the bondage of sin. You and I will still make mistakes. We will still sin. But when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, when the resurrection powers within you, sin is no longer your master. You should be shouting. But here's the state, though. The Bible states that every person is a sinner. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That, that Greek word for all, in English, it means all. Did you get that? I know that was deep for you. I, well, Pastor Stan, you better show off some of your theological uh, stuff. I just did. Okay, the word, the Greek word, I believe it's panta, uh, which sounds like a, um, I might be wrong. Some of you, but anyway, the word is all. All means all, okay? For all have sinned, okay? So, well, I don't believe in sin. Well, let me just kind of go back. And I know this is simplistic for some of you, but I have to come to this level. How many banks does it take a person to rob before they're, before they're called a bank robber? How many banks? Okay, so if you rob a bank once, you're a bank robber. If you lie once, you can be called what? I didn't say it. You guys are mean. If you sin once, well, I don't believe in sin. If you do something wrong against other people, we've all done something wrong. We then, therefore, are sinners in need of God's grace. And the sad news is this. If we continue to rebel in this and saying that I don't need God, I don't need to be delivered from this sin. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wage of sin is death. But here's the good news. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, there is a penalty for sin. It's death. But there is a reward through Jesus Christ to set you free from that. You should be shouting again. You should be going, wow, that's awesome. Because I got to read this to you. OK, Romans 5, 6 through 11. Are you doing good? You see, at the right time, when we are still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still horrible, evil, wicked, or whatever you want to call it, sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we can also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him, through whom we have now received reconciliation. In other words, God says, I've wiped you clean. You're free now. Live. You're free. Here's another reward for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let her ease eternal life. Every person must die at one time or the other. Okay, if you've been here long enough, one out of one people die. Ten out of ten people die. One hundred out of hundred people die. One million, ten billion people out of ten. We, eventually, you're going to die. Yeah, but Pastor Stan, there's a few people. Yes, there's been a few people in the Bible that were translated. They just went from living on the earth and they walked with God. Just two that I know of right now. But every one of us must die. And mankind, since, since the beginning of time, has tried to prolong life. We've tried to do it. You know, remember the people were looking for the fountain of youth, or you, if you eat this, you drink this, or and even now scientists are futilely working to keep humanity alive. And some of you, why? Why? Just let us live our lives. Come on. Some die young, some die old, some die for whatever reason. I'm not, I'm not trying to say to scare you, but you don't have to be afraid of death. 
because we're all going to die. Here's what Jesus says through the Bible, through the, the writer of Hebrews. Hebrews 9, just as man is destined to die once and after that to face the judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. You see, Jesus understood that he's freed us because of the curse of sin and death. All humanity will die. And those who do not accept Jesus, sadly, will be separated. But those who accept Jesus will not be separated from God. We will die physically, but eternally we'll be with God. And because of this, because of this resurrection, looking at you online, because of the resurrection, we can be free of the fear of death. Hebrews 2.14, since the, the children have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity. So that by his death, he might, I love this, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Do you hear that? Mm, um, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, online, they're shouting online, you can't even see it. Well, I don't even know because they're, they're online. John 11, 25, 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you and I believe in this resurrection power? I hope you do. And letter F, the last one, I'm getting down to the end. Worship team, can you come up? Is healing. Healing. You see, we, we, we believe in the power of God. The resurrection power is, is in us and it also brings us life mentally, physically, spiritually, relationally, emotionally. We believe in healing. We believe in the miraculous. We believe, we believe in medicine. We believe in science because God uses all of that. But one of the great things, many great things I should say, of the resurrection is that God can heal us. This has been a tough year. Depression has been on the rise. Anxiety has been on the rise. Drug abuse has been on the rise. Suicide has been on the rise. Hate and anger has been on the rise. But the resurrection can break the power of those things. It might take a lifetime. It might take you going to a counselor. It might take talking to someone. But that resurrection power is still available. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. We believe in divine healing. Whether it's here, in a few months, at the end of your life, we believe in divine healing. Romans 8, 11, and I want you to think about this and I want you to believe this. I want you to accept this because this is one of the rewards for the resurrection. Romans 8, 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. I mean, look at you. You're getting older. Even sitting in this room and you're looking better, by the way. I mean, right. Some of us are, you know, our, our chest dropped down in our drawers. You know what I'm talking about? Like some of you were like you were svelte and now you're like you're you're a little more padded down here. I and mean, look at you. You're getting old. Yeah. But you're, but you're looking wiser and good, and you're looking more, you know, you're some, you just look better, you know. But the fact is this, is the resurrection power still available for us in our bodies? God can heal our bodies. He can heal our emotions. He can heal our minds. He can heal our eyes. He can heal our life. He can heal our souls. And I'm going to borrow this from Christine Kane. I saw this this morning. It was awesome. I don't know where she, if she came up with it, she probably did because she's awesome. 
But it's a, she wrote this in, in, a, in one of her social media posts. Because of his resurrection, hope can be restored. You should be shouting right now. Shame can be lifted. Bondages can break. Hearts can be, mel- can be mended. Sadness can be comforted. Captives can be set free. Peace can prevail. Joy can reign. New beginnings can commence. This is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know the last year and a half has been tough on the whole world, but I'm telling you, friends, the resurrection power will outlast it. It's outlasted pandemics. It's outlasted bad governments, war, all that stuff. It is still in existence today. It will be in existence forever. This is why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is real. But this morning, friends, you must make a verdict today. Either I'm not sure about it or yes, I believe it. And if you believe it, I hope you accept it. Don't just put it as a book or it's a theology. It's private. It's not. It's more than that. If it's in private, it will affect your life. Would you stand with me in this room or you're online? You don't have to stand, but you can stand if you're there in the privacy of your home. So the question for us, you and I today here in the room and online is how will we respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Will our verdicts say, yes, it is true. I'm not going to deny it anymore. I need the resurrection power in my life and I want to accept it. Will you accept the realness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Jesus said this in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except for me. Wow, Pastor, that's pretty exclusive. Well, Jesus wrote that. I didn't write that. White theologians in the ninth century did not write that. Jesus said those words. He is the way, the truth, and life. He's not a way. He's not one of the ways. He is the way to God the Father. And that's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. So this morning online in the room here, will you accept the realness of the resurrection? If you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord, if you've not accepted his way here in the room online there, it's real simple. I'm not going to force you because we don't do that. But maybe you're at that place. You know, Pastor, I'm ready to cross the line of faith. I'm ready now. I want to receive this resurrection power. I want all of its benefits today. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord, you will be saved. Saved from what? I talked about it all. Sin, suffering, shame, guilt, condemnation eternity without God. But if you accept the resurrection, you accept Jesus as your Lord this morning here in the room or online, you can have this resurrection power. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I'm not perfect. I got issues. But this is why I believe in the resurrection powers. God is renewing me day by day. He's making me new. Will you let this resurrection power change your life? You see the Jews that followed Jesus this time, they said there's more to the religion. There's a relationship. And they followed Jesus as the Messiah. I'm not going to make you raise your hands. I'm not going to make you come to the front. But I'm going to ask you, if you've made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know somehow after service, see me. Uh, somewhere on the slide online, there'll be a way. Uh, the, the QR code, just, just find the emails of the church and say, I made a, follow, a decision to follow Christ today. Let us know because we want to help you. But here's the last thing. Maybe you're a believer, but you've let the power of the resurrection fade. It's easy. This world has been tough. And I'm, I'm a people person. I love people. And I know I'm trying to be you know, safe with the COVID and all that. But I'm going to tell you, in... in In August of 2020, I was really depressed and I probably should have gone to a counselor. 
I talked to my family. I talked to my friends. I was really discouraged about life. But I said, God, I need your hope in my life. And that resurrection power, which is still available, is breathing life back in you. I'm not 100% yet. I still have my days where I'm still discouraged. But my hope is in Jesus Christ. My hope is in the resurrection power. And yeah, maybe I should call a counselor and maybe I will. That's none of your business. (laughs) For me. But maybe you're in this place where you've lost the hope of the resurrection. And if you want to experience it again, it's real. Would you just say, man, Lord, I want this resurrection power. Just come in. Let me just pray. Father, for us in this room, we, we either want to make the resurrection power real for the first time of following Jesus. Or, Lord, we need to, it to be renewed because this power still raises people from the dead. It's still, I mean, I've, I've seen people in this church healed of, of sicknesses that the doctors said they weren't sure of. Lord, I've, I've talked to missionaries where they've laid hands on people that were dead and they've been healed. And these missionaries are credible people. They're not making it up. This resurrection power is real today. And in the room and online, for those that are here, would you, if we've not made that faith real, would you help us to make it real? Maybe we've, we've lost our way. Maybe we're discouraged. Maybe we've become disillusioned. Would you, again, put the resurrection power first and foremost in our lives? And then for us, we need healing in our bodies, our minds, our emotions, our relationships, our lives, our soul. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would do it. This is what resurrection is all about. So, Father, thank you. On resurrection morning, Easter morning, we can renew the resurrection power in our lives because he is still risen. He is risen indeed. And we thank you for that. In Jesus.